Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. This is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Today, I have the pleasure to have Tamara Shank on the show today. She's the research director at CSO Insights. Tamara, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. This is brilliant. You've been doing research into salespeople and sales enablement. Uh, So tell me, what are you finding? How important is the mindset of a salesperson to the results that they get? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And uh, another question we have uh, in our research a lot of answers to, but there is definitely a huge impact. uh, And there is only so much you can address with training and coaching initiatives. And there's just some parts um, people, yeah, should work on their own to to clear their mindsets and to get their mindsets right. One of the things that you had mentioned well, as we were chatting before the interview started is that you went to the website and you saw this exercise mm-hmm. that I do where people break through mm-hmm. a board. <laughs> the reason I wanted to share that with you, because it kind of ties into what we're doing at the end of the workshop, you know, we've been mm-hmm. teaching them, you know, you can break through anything and we get them to write their mm-hmm. biggest fear on the board. And then they come, they break it. It's a very cathartic kind of experience. This one woman came up and she told me that she'd gone to another workshop where they had this board break exercise and she'd done it and she loved it and she can't wait Mm -hmm. to do it again. And she comes up and she puts the board down on these two Mm -hmm. concrete blocks, raises her fist, does that, you know, primal cry, and then just goes, hits the board and the board does not break. Mm. And she is shocked. It's a one inch thick board, 10 inches mm-hmm. by 10 inches. Then she takes a moment. She gets encouragement from the crowd. They clap. They you know, give her uh, all that uh, positive energy. She strikes it again, this time with certainty and meaning. And the board doesn't break. She tries two more times. It's not breaking. So I ask her to sit down, try mm-hmm. again a little later. More people are breaking the board. Then she comes up again and says, okay, I'm going to try it again. Got to give her like uh, points for tenacity. She comes up, she puts the board on the blocks, she strikes it and it does not break. And then I realize mm-hmm. what's going on. And I tell her, hey, you know what? You've got a defective board. Go get another board. And she gets this other board that's lying there with nothing written on it. She puts it on the block, goes bam, <laughs> and she breaks it. Then she says, oh, let me get my first board again. And she goes to hit it and it does not break because she can read her biggest fear is written on the board. Then I ask her to flip the board over so mm-hmm. she can't read the writing and she breaks wow. the board. And this has happened more than one time. Our beliefs about self, what if she'd written as a biggest fear? I mm-hmm. think it was, I am a fraud, was so powerful mm-hmm. that it weakened. Uh, you do mm-hmm. energy work. So it weakened her energy. And as soon as we flipped it over, she could break it. Same board. That's yeah. all mindset. That's what fascinates me about human beings and salespeople is our mindset is king. Tell me about your book, Sales Enablement. What made you write it? Because it's a crazy <laughs> thing to do to write a book. It's painful. It's torturous. Why did you write it? And uh, uh, what's some of the lessons in there that we can share yeah, with all listeners? Yeah, so first of all, why did you write it? So it's co-authored by Byron Matthews and, and myself. And um, he asked me a couple of years ago, hey, we have so much great research out there on, on sales enablement. Could we create some IP around it? Why don't you write a book? I said, oh, yes, I would love to do it, to get all the body of work and research together um, um, into a book. And um, we... Um, 
discussed it from several perspectives. So what should the book be all about? Is it a book that tells you what it is? Is it a book that helps you how to do it? And we ended up for the letter, it should be a how to do it book. But of course, based on a on a strong foundation of definition and frameworks. And of course, all the recommendations and ideas we have are backed up with research. Um, and um, they also, we've also included examples from other companies, from enablement leaders who have great stories to share and their tools and processes and things included. So it should be very practical. Share some of the insights from the book and maybe an example yeah, of so- one of your case studies. It is all about understanding the bigger picture. So first of all, it's sales enablement is not another word for training. It's not another word for content or showing technology at sales forces or things like that. It's about creating a, a holistic and strategic perspective on it because the problem nowadays is as all these old selling models don't work any longer, but there are so many so-called enablement services out there because in every organization, everybody wants to help sales. And they push stuff to the sales force that's, of yes. course, not consistent to each other. So marketing wants to help sales, product wants to help sales, operations wants to help sales, legal, and, and you name it. Yeah, all of them. And it's just, it creates a lot of confusion for salespeople, especially if you have in parallel to change your selling models to be relevant and valuable for the modern buyer. Uh, the old models really collapse. So that's actually the worst place of of why sales enablement exists to say, hey, we have to get this orchestrated and organized in a much better way. And one of the lessons learned is less is more, definitely. <laughs> so get rid of everything that's not serving your salespeople and your clients any longer. So let's stop there just for a moment, if we may. Give me the distinction between the old way of doing sales and the new way. Yeah, I mean, many salespeople who are in these roles for decades, they were used that they had a knowledge advantage. Um, compared to the buyer and they could create value just talking about products and features and functions. And as I come from the tech industry, how the data center looked like, and now everything's in the cloud, that's one thing. And we have the internet and buyers are more informed. They are not always better informed, but they definitely can make a lot of research on their own and the buying teams do that. Uh, So They know what a product is and what it does, but what's important to them is understanding what does it mean in my business context for my organization right now? How would that look like? And that's a very, very different approach because it means that all the knowledge and expertise salespeople have in their heads is is actually not so very relevant anymore, but it has to be translated in the customer's context. So it is notion of the situational knowledge about the customer, their industry, their role, their business challenges. These things are really important that I have to make this mapping. What is my solution, my approach, my ideas mean in their context and how would that look like for them? And also creativity is much more needed in these times to be differentiating One of the things I find is like three very important words that uh, we all should be focused Mm -hmm. on. One is relevance. And that's what you're talking about. How can you be relevant to the customer? And number Mm -hmm. two is integrity. Like, what do you really stand for? Really knowing what that is. So everyone in your organization from marketing, finance, sales, CEO, down to the janitor, all Mm -hmm. live and breathe it. And then the third thing is, you know, how do you add value, shareholder value? And what you're describing is kind of bringing those Mm -hmm. in the old way It was all about us, the company, trying to sell something. And now it's very much, how can we be relevant to our customers in a way that they see value over the competition? 
Yeah. And in, in the old days, it was, this is what we sell to the world. And now it is, this, this is the value we can create for you, dear specific buyers. So it, everything has to be tailored to roles, to industry, to business challenges. Brilliant. So one of the other things you mentioned as you were talking about your book was less is more. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you mean by that? Yeah, um, maybe just a story from from my um, past as a sales enablement leader responsible I for <laughs> for create for organizing orchestrating content. Um, so this is how I got in, into this role. So we had in my past company there was a big restructuring of the sales force. So a few hundred people removed out of the sales force. Quota for the existing sales force was increased, and then I said, okay. So what are we actually doing to help them to achieve their goals? And the first thing I looked at was, what is the content they work with? And I couldn't find anything that was structured. So literally, we found that the company had content on 35 different places. And then wow, um, I always love to work with peer groups with eight-player salespeople and ask them, hey, do you know about it? Where do you get your content from? What are we doing? How are you doing this? And one of our really best salespeople said to me, 35 different places. I never heard about it. I never used a single one. I said, okay, so here's the elephant in the room. So because of not knowing where to go for which purpose, they didn't do anything. They simply used what their colleague had on their laptop, what they used last week and all these kinds of things. And in the meantime, the company wanted to go to a more standardized way of selling services and products that are clearly defined. And some people came from, yes. oh, we do it individually, you know, and on the process from sales to delivery, everybody added something <laughs> and we didn't invoice it. <laughs> so there's a quality and a profit issue, of course. So th- th- that was the that was core moment for me, okay, this is maybe, it's not, maybe not the biggest problem, but that's a problem we can tackle right now because I had an executive sponsor who was focused on that. Once we went through this exercise and looking for technology to put that all in one place, um, of course you have to get rid of a lot of stuff because a lot of content was the same, but in 10 different versions and five different places. Then yeah, we found content, it was right. absolutely no longer relevant for products and services we didn't want to sell anymore. Then other things were simply outdated, and you, you name it. So we've thrown away thousands of thousands of documents. Less is more, definitely, because later on, then with technology makes with this, it makes everything transparent. So okay, we don't have everything, but what we have is this is really what we want or what we need. But then you have to work on the gaps, of course. So I had this brilliant thing happen yesterday. I was doing the great uh, cold calls, and I called up this uh, VP. I had gotten hold of the mobile number. I don't know this person. They're on the West Coast. So I called the mobile number. They answer. I basically you know, say, hey, this is Umar. This is what we're doing. At the end of my 30 seconds, whether we're going to talk longer or not, he says, you know, we shouldn't talk anymore because I've actually left the company. I've retired. Something that was kind of cool I got to do was this. <laughs> said, that's brilliant. 
in my cold call, since you know you don't have a dog in the fight right now, what did you like about it? How about the messaging, the value proposition? So I got coaching from a VP on what was working well and what could have been better. And I think with our material, with our messaging, with our cold calls, if we can get that feedback loop from our customers, it makes it more relevant because it's so easy to drink our own Kool-Aid and know, well, these are the most important things to me. I'm going to ask you a question. Is that if you had uh, joined a company, your employee number three got a product, building a team together, how would you build a sales team and a marketing team from ground up that would be... You know what selling and marketing should yeah, be. Yeah, I would. What does that I look like? I would definitely like? create it as one function. I would first of all start to to map out how our target audience, our target buyers, want to engage with us, how they want to buy, how they make their buying decision, how they want to implement and, and use our product, and map these things out, and then um, work with probably a team that helps me to structure with the salespeople, with the marketing people, people. Um, what is the set of value messages we really need for our key buy roles we want to address? Um, Chris, that helps even if you have a very small team and you are not in a position to have a very structured process right now, but you can get the value messaging right to do exactly that when you call people and hopefully do the research before and that you have the right message for the right people in, in, in a specific industry. Um, it's, I would like to get structure around these things. And then I would simply map out coming from the customer's path, a very simple process. This is how we want to go after our opportunities and, and, and build that. So one of the things you said that was kind of brilliant, which I think a lot of companies would find difficult to do is how do you reach out to your potential customers and create that conversation mm-hmm. where you get the data you need? So there's probably a lot of listeners out mm-hmm. there saying, oh yeah, that sounds great. But when they go to implement it, mm-hmm. it would be a challenging thing to do. So how would you recommend a company connects with potential customers to get that insight? Yeah, so if, if you don't have own customers right now, I mean, you can only go in the same industry. So what, what is the industry? What are the organizations you figured out? This is where you want to sell your, your, your products to and, and simply work with surveys from, from their end. I mean, it's really, and it's a great question. It's a difficult part of what we see very often. Oh, yeah, we have done this customer journey mapping thing. Oh, wait a minute, it's over there. Oh, who did that? Oh, we did that. And I said, so we didn't talk to customers? Um, no. I said, okay. <laughs> so it's really, really important to get firsthand information. What's uh, mind-boggling is that, you know, all the things that you have mentioned fall under the uh-huh. uh, heading of common sense. Mm-hmm. But so many companies yeah. do not do that. Why do you think that is? Like, uh, like it's easy to do. It makes yeah. perfect sense, but we don't do it. Is What do you think is the disconnect? That's a great question. And yeah, one of the things we do research years over, year over year. Um, I think especially in sales, it comes a lot from the past. Oh, sales is an art. We actually don't really know what these people are doing there. So we put something in and we get something out. So if you ask people maybe 20, 30 years ago, we sales an art or a science, we probably said, oh, it's an art. We really don't know what they're doing, but we need them somehow. And so that has changed dramatically in, in, in just a few years. So in a very short amount of time, I mean, for humans, it's a very short amount of time. We have seen 
so many changes and especially for a sales professional i mean your life has changed completely i mean 20 years ago there was no crm they had everything on their own and their desk and didn't share anything and the competition within sales forces was always very big and i think that's one of the biggest obstacles i'm always saying hey we have enough competition out there why don't we need so such a heavy competition inside the company, we should help each other to be more successful. Then you have CRM systems, you have processes. I mean, we can prove that. Ask CSV Insights or any other research company, the more mature and, and effective and tailored your processes are. So the more scalability you have, the more productive you can be. It asks people to, to do something, to share things, to work in a very different way. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the common denominator to work in a very different way than before. And all these things are very different. And then you have to to change your messaging completely out there. So let me ask you a question. Uh, you may not have research on this, mm-hmm. but I'm sure you have a gut feel. For a lot of uh, leaders of companies, they find it difficult to rely on the forecast that the mm-hmm. sales department yeah. gives them. Yeah. What percentage would you say our forecasts are not accurate. That's interesting. And we, we have a number uh, on this. And so um, in our world-class study, you always see that that it's around about 50% of sales leaders um, don't trust in the numbers they get out of their system, get out of their CRM. And I mean, that's an issue. That's a big issue. And it comes down to how do we use technology? Um, if, if you look back at when CRM systems came up, yes. it was... The sales leader said, I think we need that. Okay, I want to have clarity on our forecast. I want to have more forecast accuracy. So a CRM was was implemented. And then, okay, we don't have time to do this in sales. So we asked sales operations and maybe IT. And, and I mean, these two functions, they build what they think they should build and they build what they need, which is a reporting machine. Um, right. So is that useful for salespeople? No. Do they want to use it? No. It's just way too much work. I mean, Byron Matthews would always say, did you ever see a salesperson say, I won this deal just because of my CRM? <laughs> Probably not. So, and all these things are now changing. So, I mean, you see more and more often smaller organizations that come up and say, hey, we actually need to create something that really supports the salesperson. And you were talking about trust between salespeople, but there's also a bigger trust issue. I was working with a client in Silicon Valley. The salespeople were caving in on price, Mm -hmm. not selling on value. So they're training on value, uh, incentives, lecturing, Mm -hmm. and it's just not happening. And when we interviewed the salespeople, what are the beliefs Mm -hmm. that they hold? One of the issues that came up was that we can't trust engineering. Engineering says we're going to get a new product in February, and it's already oh, August now. Okay. The product has mm-hmm. not arrived. We trust marketing to divine what's the next chip mm-hmm. we need to produce, and they miss the boat. So there was actually mm-hmm. trust issues between departments, and when we brought everybody mm-hmm. together to set aside the old way and this one team with mm-hmm. one goal in mind, as soon as this trust came, salespeople started mm-hmm. selling on value because they knew that the Excellent. entire company had mm-hmm. their backs. It's human beings and mm-hmm. trust and coming together. Tamara, this has been a brilliant conversation. How can people get a hold of your book? And more importantly, how can people uh, connect with you and uh, get your wisdom to help their companies uh, 
grow faster. Yeah, excellent. So uh, our book, Sales Enablement, a master framework to engage, equip, and empower world-class sales force is available at Amazon.com. Also a book page on millerheimengroup.com uh, slash sales enablement. That goes on also to the different um, ways where you can buy the book. Just have a look at our website, csoinsights.com and the blog on csoinsights.com. I'm the one who is publishing blog posts every Thursday. So just, um, yeah, have a look. Um, I think we have a lot of interesting things and findings and stories to share. And of course, you can get um, hold of me via LinkedIn or via Twitter. Tamara, thanks so much for sitting down with me. You're in... Uh... I'm in Wiesbaden in the Frankfurt area. Brilliant. That's the only city I've been to is Frankfurt uh, in Germany, but I'll be back. Thanks so much for uh, taking time out to Thank chat Thank you with so us. much for the opportunity. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 